Welcome to Inclusive Gathering Birmingham. My name is Danielle. Um, I figured I'd find some green space outside to film this little intro in since so many of us are spending quite a lot of our time inside. It's a bit of a bleak day, but it's it's still nice to see a bit of green and get a bit of fresh air. Um, since the start of this strange season of our lives back in March, um, Inclusive Gathering has, as a leadership community, We've, we've been trying to keep our focus on a couple of things. So one of them is connection and the other is consistency. So it's been our hope, kind of knowing who we are, um, even before we started doing everything online, we were uh, a church that met in the city center with people coming from all over the place. Um, and these days we've spread out even further being online with people joining us from Canada and the South Coast. Um, but I think what we've wanted to do is just to find those ways of connecting us in relationship, to do those encouraging things in the week, um, to connect us to each other and to God, and um, to walk through this journey together. Um, we're not like a local church that could you know, run a food bank or um, start an initiative in a community, but we really want to, con to continue to encourage you uh, wherever you're doing local volunteering work, whether wherever you're serving, whatever you're able to do or however you're able to pray or encourage folks around you, um, that is all part of what our life together is too. And we want to celebrate that. So um, thank you for those of you who are doing unseen but deeply important stuff like loving one another, loving the people in your community, um, teaching kids, mopping floors in a hospital, <laughs> um, whatever you're doing, we thank you because we see it all as part of service and love for, for God and for one another. Um, so whether you're gay or straight, whether whatever your gender identity, um, whatever your race or ethnicity, whatever your neurodiversity or neurotypicalness, um, whatever your political affiliation, wherever you stand with uh, God or not, we want you to welcome you here just completely as you are and say that all of you is welcome. There's no parts of you that you have to hide. Uh, we want to connect with you as you are today. So our Mersley community group is going to lead a prayer. It, the prayer is called God of the Process, a litany for when the world feels like it's burning by Ayundi Kolba. And it's based on this reading from Romans chapter 8, verses 38 to 39. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. God who loves us in every season, our hearts ache as we consider our world. Amid sorrow and pain, we know you hold us and love us. You hold us in confusion. You hold us in grief. You hold us in trauma. You hold us in war. You hold us in political unrest. You hold us in disconnection. Gracious God, you do not celebrate our pain, but offer us deep love. Compassionate God, you hold us. 
Lord, we acknowledge that you are a God who does not rush us through our pain. You are a God who made us for process. Like a gardener planting a seed and waiting for new life to emerge, you tend our bodies, minds and souls. You make a way for our growth. You make a way for our hope. You make a way for our restoration. You make a way for our mending. You make a way for us to love. You, our good shepherd, make paths where none have ever been. Loving God, you sustain us. Jesus, just as you wept with Mary and Martha outside of Lazarus's tomb, thank you for grieving with us as we ate. You knew you would resurrect Lazarus, yet shared in Mary and Martha's grief. We know you share our grief as we witness a world that seems to be burning. Just as you ache with those who mourn, equip us to mourn with our neighbours. Help us to offer comfort and care to every one of your children. Empower us to love well. Empower us to see others in their pain. Empower us to move past our differences. Empower us to believe in your goodness. Empower us to be who you've called us to be for ourselves and others. Compassionate God, you hold us. Holy God, we pray that in the ways only you are able, you would equip us to be a healing presence in our world. Move us to love well, to hold space, to offer compassion, to bind up broken hearts and to embody your goodness. Again and again, we cry out. We need you. We need you. Amen. Hello, I'm Nets. I'm part of the Leadership Community Inclusive Gathering. And um, I'm just going to read today's scripture, which is from Matthew 24. And David will um, talk about this in a little while. From verse 45. The faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while? and he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hello, I'm David. I'm part of the leadership community here at Inclusive Gathering. And today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about these verses in Matthew 24. Wise and faithful servants. And here Jesus is saying that uh, those that are wise, those that are faithful, uh, will receive a reward. And what he means by wise and faithful, if you see, is um, the servant feeding the other servants. And so I believe this speaks of our heart for social justice, our heart for hospitality. And in doing that, uh, God has a reward for us. Um, but 
what you might find the most disturbing part and the most puzzling part is what happens to the servant who's entrusted to do that, who doesn't do that. And how the master that come that returns, has been on a journey and returns, is portrayed as someone that would then take that servant and uh, kill him and sign him to a place where there is great uh, devastation, great torment. And traditionally, uh, Christianity has uh, taught that refers to uh, hell and the reward refers to heaven. And the images of hell have been quite horrific over the past, particularly through medieval times and through medieval artwork and poetry. And so when I was first a Christian, uh, or very early on in my Christian life, uh, I began to hear about this, this idea. And it was often linked with the idea that Jesus would return soon. And this returning master was a picture and is a picture that uh, that Jesus would uh, would rise and ascend and then return again to the earth. The idea that Jesus might return very soon, maybe in my lifetime, maybe tomorrow, was something that we were taught. Uh, I said in the I heard this a lot in in the eighties. And there's been a bit of a revival of those sort of ideas with uh, a series of novels called the Left Behind novels, that maybe some things that would happen uh, would be, uh, that would lead to Jesus' return are happening very soon. And people that look at things in the news uh, who have those viewpoints today would often say that. Um, and so, I was in a church that was saying this and I was, but I began to question those things. And a lot of what uh, people in inclusive gathering have gone through or some of us have gone through is a process that is often called deconstruction, where we look at what we've been taught from the Bible, what we've believed, and begin to take it apart and hopefully put it back together again. Although we do hold things a lot more lightly after uh, after that, where before uh, the things that we taught, we might have thought of being a lot more dogmatic. And so this idea of hell, I began to think through quite early on. I went through a very slow process over, over many years. And I began to wonder if it was really God simply destroying people rather than that they will be tormented forever uh, in a conscious way. And that... Uh, but the idea that he would return physically has, has never left me. And yet, that idea that he destroys people is something that, that as I've continued to deconstruct, uh, more recently I begin to question, and maybe when Jesus returns, what happens is that he um, ultimately is loving and forgiving and that he loves and forgives everyone. That maybe the pictures of the fire and the devastation and the wailing and gnashing of teeth could refer to uh, some form of purging. Uh, we see that in 1 Corinthians 3, for example, uh, where 
uh, someone might escape, might have all their good works burnt up, but they escape themselves, live through fire. That if we haven't lived for God, when we see God, we'll so be so devastated that we would that we would run to Him. And it might take a moment, it might take some time, but in that time there is a a burning of embarrassment and devastation, as I said. And, and but we are purged and we are accepted and loved. That's a view that I've I've come to, uh, or. Uh, like shall we say and hold very very loosely um, much more recently one thing I was taught very early on and has really helped with my deconstruction is that when we read an ancient document to look at its to look at the context the context it was written in the context of the actual pages of what's being talked about and if you look at this um, these verses in Matthew 24 you'll realise there the end, a much longer passage, where Jesus is talking about the uh, imminent destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. And this was something that happened in uh, 70 AD, approximately 40 years, or sometimes referred to as a generation, after uh, he was talking here. And we have historical accounts of this with uh, Josephus, uh, for example. So maybe this is referring to, to that. And if you read through all of Matthew 24, you'll realise that what he's talking about could be the end of the Jewish system, the second, second Temple Judaism, where the, the, sacrificial, the sacrificial system and cutting that out and destroying that, which would happen at the uh, when the Romans invaded in 70 AD. And so it was quite a horrific time for people. And what Jesus told people, if you look again through Matthew 24, there's uh, a little verse where he says, if you are around when these things happen, flee to the mountains. And in a similar passage in Luke, he says, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, flee to the mountains and escape that. And from a distance, you'll see the, uh, the temple destroyed. And then um, the gospel can go forward without that link with Judaism. And similarly, it will be a, a devastating thing to the, to the Jews that were part of the church and to all of Judaism and then what's happened is Jews were, were scattered throughout the world from that but also Christianity was scattered and Christianity uh, reached out from the world. Now this was a very interesting idea that uh, um, I learned quite again fairly early on after going through these times of being told Jesus will come out any moment and coming out of that and was quite uh, excited about this idea maybe it was all been fulfilled maybe it's all happened that there wouldn't be any sort of terrible things in the future but maybe it's all been fulfilled but I don't think we can quite say that that uh, I still believe Jesus will return again to this earth uh, but there is a sense in which Jesus has come to us in our hearts there is a uh, a way that that is realized today but there is a way and that will be realized in the future 
So what does it mean to be a good and faithful servant in that, in that context? Well, as we serve God and has Jesus come to us, he rewards us in what we do. That there is um, a blessing for standing for social justice, serving other people and being hospitable. And But one simple way of seeing this is that... Um, there are consequences. Sometimes I think the Bible says things are an act of God in a way that it simply means he's put into place in the creation of the world how uh, things will work. And as we move towards love and if we act in loving ways, there are positive consequences to us. We are blessed uh, by God. And if we move against the grain, if we are um, in some way hateful of our fellow uh, humans and in some way selfish, then there are natural consequences of that. If we are rude to somebody, they'll be rude back. But if we're nice to someone, they'll be nice back. Generally speaking, I think we've got to be careful that we don't say, uh, oh, if you're a Christian, everything will go right. And if it's going wrong, you must have done something wrong. I think that is, uh, that is a um, oversimplification of, of, what the, of what Jesus is saying. But simply that he will reward things, reward us for the things that we do is a general principle. And that happens in life and I believe will happen uh, in the future. Um, there are verses that say, you know, why do the, the wicked prosper in, in Psalms, for example. So I think we need to be careful of that idea. But also, I think we need to embrace that way of love and be these faithful servants and be wise in how we, how we live and um, bring in these uh, principles of loving our neighbour as ourself. You'll have seen that we've got some events coming up, um, including a pancake making session on, on Pancake Day, which is the 16th of February. You can join us with your pancake ingredients ready to flip your pancakes. So that's about all for today. Uh, all that remains is to share our blessing that we share every week. May we live fully, may we love wastefully, and may we have the courage to be all that God has created us to be.